welcome to Same Minds. I'm Matya. And I'm Ellie. And we're probably the same person. So Ellie, this week I've been thinking, how did Satan move before God cursed him? For those who don't know, in the Bible, <laughs> they're in the Garden of Eden, and everything's great. And then Satan comes along and basically convinces Eve to eat an apple and blah blah blah, so he's introduced to the world. But God curses Satan, who was a snake, to always crawl on his belly. But the thing is, Satan was a snake before God cursed him, which implies that there was another way that snakes moved before this. <laughs> people have debated this before. I don't... People have debated this for, like, years, and I like to think they had legs. Like, little, like, cartoony legs, like you see on animals in um, comic books. But I feel I, like that just makes them salamanders, then. And we have salamanders. They're still here. Can salamanders unhinge their jaw, though? I don't know. Maybe not. But, like, they'd just be, like, funky salamanders, essentially. Yeah, My favorite basically. take that I've seen is that it was like a spring, and they bounced like a spring. Oh. Oh, like... <laughs> like, the snake awesome. is just a pogo stick. And then they're like, God's like, hey, no, you're not a pogo stick anymore, you're just a little slither thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> my favorite take, by far. To be fair, I would be really sad if someone took away my pogo stick ability and made if me... If I was told I had to crawl everywhere, <laughs> brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I actually saw something Bible-related as well. Uh, <laughs> but it was just this thing, and it was like, so before Cain killed Abel in the Bible, uh, for those of you who don't know, they were like the first two brothers. They were the kids of Adam and Eve or whatever. And Cain killed Abel but before that, they hadn't really experienced death. So there's a chance that Cain just didn't know that, like, beating his brother would kill him. <laughs> he's just like, then God comes to him, he's like, hey, where's your brother? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, God's like, no, he's dead. And you're like, what? <laughs> Oof. But. <laughs> just can you imagine? Uh, I just hit him really hard and he stopped moving. I don't know what happened. It was just weird. I feel like, I don't know. It doesn't sound like it was unexpected, though. Nothing in the Bible was like, and then Cain went, the heck? Why are you sleeping right now? True. Uh, <laughs> that's true. He could have just thought he knocked him out or something. Was mm. knocking out a thing. That's true. I no, because if sin doesn't exist, nothing bad has ever happened before. You stub your toe for the first time, and you're like, "What is this pain? This agony?" But they might have like gotten knocked out as they were growing up or whatever. But no one had died. <laughs> like no one was like, "I'm gonna hit you a bunch of times," and oh, you're not breathing anymore. Like, to had anyone hit anyone before? Or did Cain just go, you know what? I'm going to put my hand really close to your <laughs> face, but fast. Like, was that you? Um, I don't know. I think probably, but not not before the garden, or not during the garden. 
I mean, now they're just babies. They're just grown-up babies that have never experienced anything bad. <laughs> no, right? yeah, that's basically it. Ellie, I found a blog. Okay. And I was like, what is this, 2013, who makes blogs? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called... Uh, what's it called? Give me a sec. It's called The Setup Wizard, and it's wonderful. It's been running for about four years. I can math. It's been running since 2016. And the concept is... Hogwarts has finally gone internet and technology, and as such, they needed an IT guy. (laughs) So it's a blog run by the IT guy of Hogwarts. They finally gave in in 2016 and got Wi-Fi. It's just really wonderful. There's a lot of great things on it. One of my favorite things is it talks about how the IT guy is shifting the views on muggles, specifically in Slytherin, because <laughs> they need the mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, so muggles can't be all bad. But the wonderful thing is it had stopped 2019, and then 2020 came, and they had their first article since it shut down, titled, Whoops, Everything is Awful. <laughs> That's not inaccurate. (laughs) So basically, it's like, yeah, so we wrapped up. I had a great job. We shut down the blog. News update. 2020 happened. Turns out, crafting a sufficiently powerful and precise magical solution to a unique unknown pathogen takes roughly the same amount of time and resources as the muggles and their nomad medical science. It's literally anyone's guess who will get there first at this rate. We learned early on that pepper up isn't enough and are quickly learning that this is what happens when your entire healthcare system revolves around a single potion from the 12th century. It goes on to talk briefly about how the Ministry of Magic did just as good job as other governments during the virus, which means some did good, some did not so good. So everyone's kind of like at different stages of loss. And the biggest news is Hogwarts did not open. Oh yeah, I see that. I found it. Yes, and now they are online, so the IT guy now gets to run through online stuff through the magical video chat, and it's just great. There's shenanigans. (laughs) They had a professor report that a student had broken into Hogwarts to do the video chat, unaware that it was just a background, which in the magic world... It could legitimately be like mm-hmm. you were at the beach or you were in a movie because it's magic. True, true. <laughs> Anything's possible. A kid breaking into the Great Hall, not completely unexpected. I just want to talk about it. I think thought it was wonderful. I'm definitely going to spend time reading this now, but not right now, obviously. Can't yes. get distracted. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... For my topical topic, which we talked about last week. It was right? cut out. Maybe just introduce it as a right. thing. So we're starting a few new a few new segments, right? Not just this one. A few being two, but yeah. <laughs> a couple new segments. Uh one of which is topical topic, which we're not really sure what that means. <laughs> right now we're going with something fairly recent that we can talk about. Uh so You might have already heard about this, but two female scientists won the Nobel Prize in chemistry for the first time in history. I did hear about this. I would like to clarify, it is not the first time a female has won (laughs) the Nobel 
surprise. It's the first time that two females without a male mm-hmm. uh, helper, assistant, counterpart, whatever we're saying, yeah, has done it. So it's only females and multiples of them, <laughs> two, yes. to be exact. And in that's a great. It's exciting. <laughs> I know. And what they were doing was really cool. I don't know how much you know about it. I read through some of it, but most of it sounded like technical jargon, so I don't remember a lot of it. They're calling it one of the most significant discoveries in the history of biology, which is pretty cool. Okay, but that's also <laughs> every other thing we discover in the history of biology. <laughs> True. Um, so, it's called the CRISPR-Cas9. I don't know if you have to say those letters individually or as a word, so <laughs> just go with crispr um, and CRISPR is a family of DNA sequences that are, like, in your genomes, which I'm, I don't know how to describe that. But they, um... Nope, nope I got it. <laughs> they're, they're part of your immune system, typically. And then with the Cas9, the associated protein 9 to CRISPR thing, uh, their vital role in the immune system is to split the DNA to help you heal. And so they found a way to utilize that into um, splitting DNA. And that way they can edit DNA in um, animals, plants, and microorganisms so far. Cool. So if I could just give a summary. Breaking news! Two female (laughs) scientists have found the new fancy scissors of our DNA sequences! Basically, yes. But it's really cool. Like... I mean, I was reading through it, and because I don't have a degree in chemistry, I was kind of sitting there like, "What?" Um, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like fancy new scissors as much as the next person. And from what I can so. tell, one of the women, um, Charpentier is her last name. She not only helped create this, but she helped create the technology that allowed them to help create this. So she's just awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah. She's just going for it. <laughs> going on with our new segment. This is our new segment. What's your take? So Ellie, I want to hear what your take is on success. Um, I think it really varies from person to person because I think a lot of it is um, your values growing up and what your parents see as successful. Uh, but typically... If you just thought of successful, you'd think of uh, doing well financially, happy, but that's not always necessary, which is kind of sad. Um, yeah, just kind of making a name for yourself doing well. But for me, success is more like being financially stable enough to get by, but having a good education and enjoying my life with other people because other people are very important to me what's your take on it i don't know if we're doing it both ways or if you're just asking me but (laughs) sure we can i don't really have a take on success i was thinking what it means to me to be successful i don't really know yet i'm sure i'll just like figure that out as it goes on to some extent being happy and content is a large part of it it's hard because we definitely live in a society where success is very much uh, do you make mm-hmm. enough money? Are you well known? 
how much do you have? Can you buy the newest cars, the name brand clothing? The newest phone. (laughs) I'm not sure if that is, like, the larger Mm -hmm. brand of success, but that's certainly the brand of success that you see on social media and in movies and a lot of just media that I consume. Yeah, the success is kind of being pushed at us or promoted to at least us with what we see on a daily basis. Yes. Commercialized success is very monetary and material focused, which helps continue that because if you focus on making it like a monetary, oh no, (laughs) about money and about like what you have, then you'll go after that. And as other people see you going after that and they associate that with success, it'll continue, which I think isn't necessarily Mm -hmm. a good way for us to go. But I also don't know how we would go about changing, as a society, our idea of success without all of capitalism being super pissed at us. (laughs) Well, it's a large phrase to put in there, but all right. (laughs) I did see a chart, there was a study done about happiness and how much you make, essentially, where they found that, yes, essentially, to some degree, money does get you happiness, but only to the, like... It's exponential. So when you have no money and suddenly you have, like, you're making Mm -hmm. 10 bucks, I don't know, a day, you are so much happier than making no money because suddenly you have enough that you can sort of feed yourself. And it goes up, like, pretty sharply from there up until the point where you're, like, decently Mm -hmm. stable. And, like, it differs from country to country because, again, like, uh, you have just, your money's Mm -hmm. worth more or less and whatever, right? higher standards of living, all that. But essentially, it goes up, and then it sort of curves out. So then, essentially, yes, maybe a billionaire is happier than a millionaire, but not by, like, Mm -hmm. that significant a number. Because at that point, the money is, like, how much more are you really doing with your money? Like, it only makes you so much happier, and then it's dependent on other factors, which I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Because it kind of becomes, like, yeah, you have this much more money than me but what are you gonna buy with it like yeah I already have everything what are you gonna buy on top of mine there's actually an economic theory about it which it kind of explains it I think it's called diminishing marginal returns where basically it's every unit you consume gives you less utility utility is like satisfaction or pleasure so like if you have three pizzas the first pizza piece of pizza you eat is like chef's kiss like you are enjoying it so much it is bringing you so much satisfaction and the second piece of pizza may be good but it's not as satisfying as that first piece of pizza you're not as like filled as you were by the first piece now you're just like eating another piece of pizza same for the third piece and each piece is like less than the first piece until eventually you get, like, very, very little. Or, if anyone's ever eaten, in the case of pizza, you can actually eat too much and then suddenly you feel like you're, like, lethargic Mm. and nauseous and overfed. And then you look at the rest of the pizza and you're like, oh, what am I going to do with all this? (laughs) So it gets to the point where it's not even worth it, which I don't think is the case Mm. for money, but it sort of explains that, like, exponential curve you get. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I have a rhyme for you, Ellie. I saw it online. (laughs) Uh, I know we're still in spooky season, but it is a Christmas rhyme. 
it goes, there's Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen and Comet and Cupid and Richard M. Nixon. <laughs> That's it? That's, That's all there the rhyme. is? That's rhyme. <laughs> it's just replaced. <laughs> I like... Uh, what are they? Blixen um, and someone with Richard M. Nixon. Pran- Pran- <laughs> I think Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen? Donner and Blitzen, that's the two. Did I skip a, like, stanza ahead, though? I don't know. But now it's Richard M. Nixon, which is fun. <laughs> it made me oh, chuckle. I kind of like it, though. I wanna... I mean, why not replace your reindeer with a president? Why not? I mean, at the end of that song, like... Because that goes into Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right, mm-hmm. usually? Yes. And then at the end, I mean, we shout, like, George Washington, so... This is true! Like, <laughs> why not include Nixon? I vote we do a remake of the song where it's only U.S. presidents. Only U.S. presidents. No, no, who wants to sing about reindeers? Who replaces yeah. Rudolph? <laughs> uh... Yeah. Nothing rhymes with Udolf. Exactly. Like, nothing sounds the same. Instead of Richard M. Nixon, it could have been Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, like, I can't even imagine a group of, like, children caroling (laughs) with whoever they go caroling with and just singing about the presidents of the United States. And it gets better if it reaches past the states, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer has. So there's just kids in, like, Finland singing about Nixon and whoever else we add in there. As one does, you know? As one does. I mean, it's impressive how children's rhymes spread literally across the globe, even before internet they did, so... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I would be surprised if it catches on, because to be honest, it sounds like a boring song, but... You never know. True. I mean, it'd be pretty awesome if it did, though. Okay. Um, speaking of science, sort of. Science? I was speaking about science earlier with the chemistry thing. Okay. So we weren't <laughs> just before this, no, but I know. okay. Uh, <laughs> but I couldn't figure out a tie to pull this in, but I like it. So, <laughs> so um, what I was talking about before was an example of science done right but uh oh no <laughs> have you heard of robert liston i have not <laughs> okay so he was a surgeon in 1947 and he was known for being fast which was good because they didn't have anesthetic or anything Sorry. fast or fast fast to like speedy okay so like yes that makes more sense guy named Richard Gordon, who I'm not sure who that is, but I guess he knew Liston. But he could... Liston could amputate a leg in two and a half minutes. And he did one surgery where he was trying... He was performing an amputation and he did it in 25 to 28 seconds, but he operated so quickly, he amputated his assistant's fingers as well. So both the patient and the assistant died, and a spectator died of shock, resulting in the only known surgical procedure with a 300% mortality rate. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like he was the worst surgeon. It was the deadliest one in history. Dude, he's. Uh, I mean, amputations are essentially you just need a saw, right? Like he's essentially doing the work of a woodsmith. Yeah. So they essentially just got someone who can chop down a tree to chop down someone's but leg really fast <laughs> and very inaccurately, apparently. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, I guess 25 to 28 seconds is pretty, <laughs> pretty good, especially since they didn't have anesthetic. But, like, if you kill three people, including the patient, <laughs> I don't know that it's gonna help you. <laughs> Thank goodness for modern medicine. Bless. I Thank would just, I would get, goodness. like, a cold and I would die because I already have no immune system and I would have no medicine. <laughs> Lots of people would die, Ellie. That was a pretty key <laughs> characteristic of life before modern you medicine. Just, you just die. My dad was saying he would yeah. be awful in any other century because he's allergic to everything. Like, he's allergic to dust. <laughs> he's allergic to horses, which would have been a major problem. He's, Ooh. like, a total softy, too. He's like, I would have I would have not lived long. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness he's here now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. If you know anyone who has a mortality <laughs> rate of higher than 300% on their medical procedures, please email us. We would love to hear from you. Sorry it's a little shorter this week. We got stuff going on. School has started. We are, we are. busy now. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you two weeks from now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>